and welcome to Keep You Posted. Today is Sunday, March 21st, 2021. My name is Hannah Trav. I'm a comedian, a law student, but only for a few more months. A few more months? Yeah, only for like two more months. Yes. Okay. Anyway, I'm a comedian, law student, and I'm your host. Uh, I'm joined, of course, by my lovely friend and producer, Ross Wiseman. Hello. Hi, Ross. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. I ate a shit ton of kale chips earlier, so I'm rearing to go. Yes, you sound rearing to go. Uh, kale chips are great. And once again, we're joined by our comedian correspondent side piece, Max Barth. Hey, it's <laughs> sorry, great to be here. Thanks piece. for having me. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I bill myself self as. So. Yeah, exactly. Our, uh, we actually had you fill out a, a W-9 for independent contractor <laughs> slash side piece. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, guys, thanks for joining me. We're the glasses crew. We're all wearing glasses today. Um, perfect vision. Perfect vision. Said no one about me ever. Okay. Anyway, today's stories are, it's a little bit heavier episode, but uh, lots lots going on. Uh, we'll be talking about the devastating incident in Georgia. And just overall, we're going to be talking about um the aftermath about hate crimes against asian americans about the um, the response in this country um and so that'll be our first story and then we're going to talk about just general u.s foreign policy updates there's been a lot happening specifically in our relationships with afghanistan russia and china so we'll just like briefly highlight that um, and then number three our third story will be an update on what's happening at the border we talked about it last week, but definitely lots of developments. And then I promise we'll close with something like fun and lighthearted. Um, and it's going to be a great show. But before we start, hey, Max and Ross, uh, do you guys happen to know uh, what's Taylor Swift up to? Oh, shit. I don't uh, know. Didn't she just win a bunch of Grammys? Did she? She won one Grammy for Album of the Year, and it was the Grammy to win. So... Because take a shot if you're playing our drinking game. We've mentioned Taylor Swift. I had to do a mini edition of our segment. What's Taylor Swift up to? That's right. Folklore won album of the year. Um, I there were a lot of really great albums nominated, but I'm quite thrilled about it. Uh, do I trust the Grammys after the weekend wasn't nominated at all? No, I don't. But I'm glad Taylor slash her team and collaborators won for Folklore. Actually, I shouldn't I say Taylor that- one. I should say Folklore one because a lot of really talented people worked on that album that were not just Taylor. What were you going to say, Max? I was going to say, I think the, the engineer is like a Philly-based person or like you used to work at a recording studio in Philly on that album. Yeah, it was Whoa. DJ Jazzy that Jeff. Is- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you've heard of him. It's like the Fresh Prince, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's so cool. Uh, I don't know... That's literally that. all I know is that there's some That's vague cool. Philly connection to someone there. Yeah, isn't Very so the cool. weekend's like isn't the weekend boycotting the Grammys going forward? Yeah, he's doing that. Um actually today is the 10-year anniversary, or maybe yesterday was the 10-year anniversary of the weekend's first EP, House of Balloons, and he just released it in its original version, which I'm nerding out over because I haven't heard it in that version since like someone played it for me on their ipod back 10 years ago um yeah a friend of mine played it for me on her ipod and um so it's very exciting anyway uh music is great music keeps us going and on that note let's start the show 
take a moment of silence for the victims of the shooting in Georgia this week at three spas in the Atlanta area. Okay, terrible stuff, terrible, terrible stuff happening um, generally to the Asian American community. Lots of racism for the last year, especially. I mean, obviously all racism has a sadly long history and racism toward Asian Americans has an especially perverse history in the United States when you consider that one of our Congresswomen was born in an internment camp, so. That's a sobering thought to recognize and keep in the back of your mind with all of this. But um, specifically regarding coronavirus, you've seen the former president on television repeatedly, including in his final speech as president, calling it the China virus, the Kung flu, etc. So the story of this shooting is that a white man, a uh, 21-year-old Robert Aaron Long, who is still being called the suspect because of that's how the judicial system works, but uh, has confessed to the crimes, um, shot, went to three different spas in the, in the Atlanta area and shot, um, killed eight people, six of whom were Asian American women. And he denied that it was motivated by any racial animus. He was saying that he has a sex addiction and he wanted to, get rid of temptation. Now, just going to pause there and say, from what I've heard and what I understand, I don't think it's up to him to determine whether this was based on race or not, um, whether it was in his mind consciously or subconsciously. The, the fact that there are eight people dead, six of them are Asian American women. Um, I think we should be listening to the Asian American community about whether this whether they want to call it a hate crime or not, I'm certain it feels like one based on what I hear. So I'm not sure why the Georgia police are kind of not, I don't know, whatever. But um, Captain Jay Baker, who's a police official in Georgia, came into under fire immediately. I don't know if you guys heard this, but in a press, mm. press conference, he said, um, you know, that long, the shooter was pretty much fed up and kind of at the end of his of his rope. Yesterday was a really bad day for him. And this is what he did. Hmm. I mean, I've had a bad day before and never murdered people. The backlash for that was swift. Did you guys hear that? Him say that? Like that was like, yeah, it's crazy. Didn't was he um, fired or was he just suspended or something or? Well, he's not the um, no, he wasn't fired. He was like just taken off the, um, you know, speaking to the public for the case i mean mm. I, honestly i don't know if you could that's something you could fire someone over it's certainly like terrible that he said that but i just don't know that that's like fireable offense but um then someone went on his facebook and saw a post about um how the virus was from china something about he like posted t-shirts but they spelled it c-h-y hyphen n-a is that like some sort of reference to something that could be even more could make it even more offensive i don't know um so but anyway it's trying to mimic maybe how trump says it or something oh maybe i never thought yeah. about that or like trying like to like break up the syllable to like do some sort of like racist like accent thing 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, just the fact that it's not spelled the way the country's name is spelled seems like it could be something nefarious. Yeah. Um, but, you know, respond. I've been watching. I got cable, guys. This is the problem. I got cable. And now there are no other channels but cable news. Rachel Maddow's telling me things. CNN's telling me things. We have three different C-SPANs. We have C-SPAN. House C-SPAN and Senate C-SPAN. So um, needless to say, I've listened to a lot of commentary on this. And of course, this has been dominating the news. Um, And what I like about cable news actually is just the different viewpoints they bring on. And so they brought on uh, two this morning, two Asian American Republican senators who were both female who were just elected, um, gave their feelings on it and and they actually had a hearing in the house to discuss Asian American hate crimes against Asian Americans that I believe was scheduled before this had even happened. It was scheduled weeks ago. Um, And so the Asian American Pacific Islander caucus had planned this. um, And we'll get to that in a second. But one of the things that I've been hearing about this whole thing, the, the shooter said about sex addiction. Okay. So one of the things I've heard is that, um, Asian American women, so this is a quote I'm going to read, um, basically the suggestion that it was a sex addiction based crime and not a crime, a hate crime, um, was kind of scoffed at by the Asian American community. And, and it says, um, many Asian American women for whom racism and sexism, sexism has, have always been inextricably intertwined. Racism often takes the form of unwanted sexual come-ons and sexual harassment is often overtly racist. So important in the point of like who determines whether this is a hate crime, those things tied together. Apparently the shooter had also been to those spas before um, and, you know, whether was he was, you know, knowingly or unknowingly associating Asian women with sex. I mean, it's just like a strange, seems like not a coincidence, right? That they're, that six of the women, for him to say it's not racial animus, but then six of the victims to be Asian American women, it just doesn't seem like something that's uh, super valid to me to, to deny well, that it's any like, racial motivation. You shouldn't be taking the word of someone that just like allegedly murdered a bunch of people, you know, like. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Saying, you're like, oh, I, no, I'm not gonna, you know, like follow the evidence instead it seems that way yeah and like motive even i don't know it's just yeah exactly where where was that quote from what oh it's from um it's either from a washington post article or a politico article i put the all the links at okay. the bottom i will let you know but it's from um i always put our sources on the website but max that specific oh quote. right 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 uh, that specific quote, I believe, is from a Washington Post article, but I will double check that for you. Um, so anyway, so back to this whole, you guys heard about this House hearing, right, uh, for violence against Asian American Pacific Islanders. The caucus put it on and Republican Representative Chip Roy from Texas gets up during this hearing about crimes against Asian Americans. And he says, you know, the victims of race-based violence and their families deserve justice. That's how he opened. Great. I'm all for that. 
But then he got concerned about, quote, thought police stifling free speech. I am reading his quote. We believe in justice. There are old sayings in Texas about find all the rope in Texas and get a tall oak tree. We take justice very seriously, and we ought to do that. Round up the bad guys. That's what we believe, he said. My concern about this hearing is that it seems to want to venture into the policing of rhetoric in a free society, free speech, and away from the rule of law and taking out bad guys. I don't even know where to start with that quote. Um, Maybe the reference to lynchings is a problem. However, it was met with obviously a strong response because, you know, that's not what this is about. I, I think it was because he wanted to continue demonstrating a tough stance on China. I think that that's what his point was, that he didn't want this hearing to get in the way of his ability to be mad at China. What? Like, I, I don't. Anyway, obviously, people were very upset. And um, I don't know where the quote just went, but uh, another I will read it in a second. Another congresswoman responded to him very emotionally uh, about just, you know, like, how are you? Why are you doing this? Why are you saying this, basically? Um, and he, of course, responded, I have no apologies. He literally said the words, no apologies later in a statement. So that's America right now. Um, any thoughts, guys? I know this is like, go ahead, well, jump in. Did you see the, I mean, the relationship between like an uptick um, in crimes committed against the uh, the Asian American community and the, the connection between that in the past year and like Trump's rhetoric? They did a study, it was in the Washington Post, um, quoting a professor at the University of California the week before Trump's tweet, the dominant term on Twitter was COVID-19. The week after his tweet, it was hashtag Chinese virus. It's this mm. researcher who analyzed hundreds of thousands of, of tweets. They basically found out that um, those who did use the the same tag that Trump used were more likely to include other anti-Asian hashtags in their tweet. So mm. it's also like an organizing thing for racists, that kind of rhetoric. Right. You know? And so it's, it's, it's like it didn't come from it's not new, but it, the, in, the increase didn't come from nowhere. You know, that's part of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the thing is like people have been asking, do you blame Trump for this? Do you blame Trump for this because of all the, you know. Things he would say, I mean, like I said, in his literal last speech as president before he got on the plane, he said the China virus, um, which yeah. is just it's just appalling. I mean, it's. And oh, and then there was a story in the past couple of weeks, there's even been an increase. There was like a story of old woman was hit in San Francisco and she like beat the guy up or something. And then, uh, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Um, but the response that I'm, that I was talking about to representative Chip Roy, um, it was from Grace Meng, representative Grace Meng from New York, a Democrat who said, um, in response to his statement, it says, uh, your president and your party and your colleagues can talk about issues with any other country that you want, but you don't have to do it by putting a bullseye on the back of Asian Americans across this country, on our grandparents, on our kids. Um, and she got emotional in saying that. So uh, I wanted to make sure I read that quote. But yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's just, 
I think that, um, so Biden went down to meet with Asian American leaders in Atlanta. Um, I didn't know the CDC was in Atlanta. I feel really stupid. I thought it was in Washington, but apparently their headquarters are in Atlanta. So he went there. And no, because of Walking Dead, that's where it's like, that's a part of a zombie TV show. Wait, so in the walk, yeah, yeah. Okay, take a shot for a reference. I don't know. But also that show is way too scary for me. Wait, in the <laughs> Walking Dead, they go to the CDC? I think they try to or something, yeah. Yeah, that's to season cure, one. To cure the, zom- the zombies, you know. Yeah, they're like, oh, if there's going to be a cure, we hear that they like had something at the CDC and then they get there and they're like, yeah, like, no, we're all fucked. Like nothing, we have nothing. They, they won. I feel like now after COVID... <laughs> If zombies happen, no one would go to the CDC. They'd be like, yeah, they probably don't have. I'm going to AstraZeneca headquarters or whatever. Oh, my God, right? Um, well, on that note, no. Uh, so Biden went down there, um, met with the CDC, and then met with Asian American leaders. Also, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was with him. And then he made remarks and basically just said, you know, we need to pass legislation that um, I guess there's a bill in the House now about Asian hate crimes against Asian Americans. He also just did one of his like unity talks, excuse me, about like we need to change our hearts and not allow hate to have a safe harbor here in America, etc. Um, but my in addition to my, you know, getting all the facts and commentary, I watched the speech and then I, you know, was watching the after again, the commentary after, where I guess. Asian American reporters on CNN at least were saying that um, they and other members of the Asian American community felt like Biden shedding a light on this and really speaking to it and acknowledging it and making steps to address it felt at least a little um, hopeful, gave them a little hope about this for the future. But, you know, I think... Mm -hmm. We need to all be mourning the the events of last week. And, you know, in the same way we saw a racial reckoning last summer when it came to Black Americans, we need to be listening to Asian Americans and their experiences and validating them as much as possible. And, um, you know, hopefully in future weeks we can have um, – an Asian American person on the show that we can talk to about this because I think it's really important that um, as a white person, I try to listen as much as possible, but I did want to talk about it this week um, and we didn't have a guest lined up. So all that to say um, to the Asian American community, my heart is with you to the community in Georgia. I hope, you know, the, it sounds like uh, the mayor went, Keisha Lance Bottoms, they had been really, you know, replying and trying to validate, you know, it's just, that's all, it's like a shame that it's like, all we can do is try to like, you know, validate the experience and listen, there's nothing more we can really do. I mean, I agree with that. And um, I think someone had tweeted that just was interesting. It's like, you can't necessarily, you can't register to vote on the same day, but you can like buy a gun and like walk out instantly, you know? Oh yeah, he bought the gun that that day. Yeah, there there are things that can be done. You know, there's like just basic what De- what Biden calls like gun safety, but really is gun control stuff that you can do. You know, so I don't yeah. know how that pertains to this exact situation, but to at least make it less likely, it's like another reason to organize around that issue. You know, not to take away this is uniquely you know because of the, there's a hate crime aspect, but no, no, I understand what you're saying though. Like the fact things, that he can just like show up, bought a gun, and then went and did this. Like, yeah, it's just you know, I think 
Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's awful. You know, what can you say? Yeah. Um, it's terrible. It's very terrible. And um, our thoughts and I, I hesitate to say prayers because I have a weird relationship with religion. But um, but what everything my vibes are going out and I'm listening and I'm trying to learn. So if anyone has feedback for us, uh, please let us know. In the meantime, please, everyone stay safe and spread love. U.S. foreign policy. Wow. Maybe we won't be a joke anymore. No. Um, okay. Weird intro, but hi. Uh, for our second story today, we're talking about some developments in U.S. foreign policy. This is something I'm especially excited about, not these specific events, but to watch U.S. foreign policy in the Biden administration. I took a class on foreign policy last semester and during the Trump administration and basically had to write like a 50 something page paper about many instances in which the Trump administration like screwed people over and burned bridges and all these things. So I am trying to remain hopeful that our standing in the world and our relationships with allies and our relationships with like not allies, but like people, but other countries um, improve. So currently, Literally right now, the defense secretary, Lloyd J. Austin III, is in Afghanistan. He took an unannounced surprise trip to Afghanistan. Now, the United States is tentatively set to withdraw from Afghanistan all troops on May 1st. This date was set in an agreement with the Trump administration like and the Taliban about a year ago or more than a year ago. And... Um, I think actually maybe he's flying back from Afghanistan right now. But anyway, this morning when I woke up, he was there. He met with um, the one of the leaders in who did he meet with? I'll look up the name. I'm sorry. I didn't have it. So the prime minister. Yes. Um, But basically, the, the this agreement required the Taliban to meet certain obligations under the agreement so that then the U.S. would agree to leave, whether they've done so or not. Um, apparently, Defense Secretary Austin didn't want to really get into that, but he basically just, this is his quote. It's obvious that the level of violence remains pretty high in the country. We'd really like to see that violence come down. And I think if it does come down, it can begin to set the conditions for some really fruitful diplomatic work. Very safe answer that says, eh, I don't know. But it was like a secret <laughs> visit and... Um, first of Biden cabinet to get there. Uh, He, yeah, I mean, he's, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Obviously, um, there is, it's just insane that we're still in Afghanistan, but there is so much instability in the region that in the same way. Hmm. So let me also give context to the fact that the paper that I was just referring to, I wrote it about Syria and when the U.S. troops left Syria, it was a very bad thing for them to leave when and in the manner in which they did. So um, I think maybe I don't have a good enough understanding of the situation currently in Afghanistan to, to speak to it. Um, I just know that as much as we want troops to come home, withdrawing them in the wrong way or like adhering to this May 1st deadline, if it's not right could do more harm than good in the long run. Fair? Is that like fair to say? 
I mean, I don't, I don't know the situation there. I guess what's the argument for that? Like, <laughs> uh, that's what I was just saying. It's like I don't know the situation. I was talking about Syria. I was saying that when my paper that I wrote about well, Syria, I know, and like, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, right. You get what I'm I'm just saying you get the point that I'm saying. So anyway, the situation in Afghanistan, yeah. we're not entirely sure if it meets the conditions um, of the agreement. So we shall see. But I would my I was just speculating that they don't want to as much as we want troops to come home. They have to do it in the right way. So we'll see. Um, any thoughts on that, guys? And then we'll talk about the next. Country. Um, no, not really. I mean. I, yeah, I think they should just bring them home immediately. <laughs> but uh, I don't know the I don't know the situation there on the ground, as they say. Yeah. Or or I don't know the situation in the sky either. I got nothing for Afghanistan. But I mean, yeah, we've been there my whole life. I mean, you could have you could have had a kid right when you left, and then your kid could be serving in the same place mm, in Afghanistan. I know we've like, been we've there, been, we've so been there long. that long. I mean, it's it's insane. It's hard to it's hard to imagine it actually ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for, again, bringing troops home. I just, and I don't have a good, I should have maybe done more research, but um, I guess my my thought is just also, I don't understand, like, the more I understand about foreign policy slash military involvement places, the more I'm like, okay, well, our defense budget is way too big, but also this shit is really complicated. So anyway, moving on, though, to a country that... Um, led by, quote, a killer, Russia, um, Joe Biden rattled Vladimir, Vladimir Putin this week by referring to him affirmatively as, yes, a killer when asked. Um, and Putin, I think, is having a little bit of um, trouble swallowing this because he then challenged Joe Biden to a debate. Um, he then made a comment about you know, he said, now for the statement of my American colleague, how would I respond to him? I would respond to him, be healthy. He smiled. I wish him health. I say this without irony. This is not a joke. Uh, well, that sounds like a mm. threat, honestly. Um, there's also apparently Russian state TV is trying to make Biden seem like he's got dementia. So, um, you know, someone said, oh, well, maybe he's trying to wish him good mental health. However, uh, it sounded many people interpreted it as a threat. Um, Didn't he also that, say it takes one to know one? Yeah. Which is so funny. And then Biden was like, yeah, I was at your mom's house. And then Putin was like, <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? It's awesome. Something like that. Yeah. So I I saw, I mean, what's the debate? What are they going to debate? Like, what they should have to debate something that's not foreign policy. They should have to debate like yeah. what's the best season, what's the best season of Lost or some shit. <laughs> okay, you know? wait. Possible Putin Biden debate topics. Um, free speech. Uh, why ABC's we should have it lost. versus yeah, ABC's laws. <laughs> no, but I like the idea of like, even if they were to debate over foreign policy, like. I just think in order to debate, you have to have some common ground, right? Like, you can't just debate someone. Also, yeah. I don't know what the like, stomach, like, I don't know the stomach the American populace has to watch, like, a translated debate. Like, I think when it's, like, slowed down by, like, translators and stuff, people are going to bail on it in, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't Because there's no way you're going to have, like, you're going to have, what, Anderson Cooper being like, all right, uh, Putin, you have five seconds to respond. Like, 
That was a, that was a direct uh, challenge. You have two and a half seconds, followed by a half second response. Like, I don't know what they uh, are free. Or they should do a free form debate. Yeah. Also, uh, it was it was pointed out on CNN arm that wrestle. debate. <laughs> yeah. Right. Arm wrestle. Uh, no, it was pointed out that people usually challenge to deb- only losers challenge people to debates. Like it was like <laughs> apparently when Ted Cruz was like second to Trump in the primaries, he was like, we should debate. And then like, um, I guess Trump was trying to get Biden to debate again or whatever. I don't know. There was all these like well, Bernie was going to remember Bernie was going to debate Trump for like a week. Like Trump said he would. And then Bernie was like, all right, let's do it. And then Trump backed out. Oh my God. I would have. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the that. online, it's the debate me guys from online. Yeah. You know, it's like, why won't, why won't AOC debate him? Like as if she owes that to some random guy, you know, Cause she's fucking busy, dude. She's like busy Putin, doing her job. <laughs> Putin's the most powerful debate me guy in the world. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's what's going on with Russia. Uh, certainly not ideal, but, uh, we shall see. And then the last one is China. So secretary of state, Tony Blinken was in, um, Anchorage, Alaska this week for a, some sort of summit, like sessions with, um, China's foreign policy chief and state counselors. Uh, so, they things got weird so they were in front of the press to do their like ceremonial little like yes we talked and blah 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 it was cool and then it got and then there was shade and then shade occurred uh and they started talking about how you know tony blinken was like we don't think that um you know China's properly addressed human rights violations and, you know, has been very aggressive overseas. And then um, China, then the China, Chinese officials started going off about stuff they didn't like about the U.S. And it was like kind of like theatrical, but also probably not a good indication of of how relations are with China. However, we're coming into a period where Biden has promised to also be tough on China, but in a very, you know, he's going to not be tough on China in the same way that Trump claimed to be. So I think that there is a. Yeah, I think that China is going to be a big. I don't want to say problem, but it's going to be. An issue for the U.S., (laughs) Yeah, it's like a strategic, you know, it's like to make it like some academic, it's like a strategic challenge for, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the great game of imperialism or whatever. But also, I mean, a lot of that stuff with the, you know, diplomatic and sort of the the roasting in front of the press corps and stuff, that's for like domestic audiences. You know, it's mm-hmm. not even like no one, you know, you don't think like the Americans are going to actually change like the average maybe person in China's mind, but like. Biden will get to be like, oh, see, I'm being tough, quote unquote, tough, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. means. Um, so, well, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, go ahead. But just, you know, it's, I don't know, it seems like such like a pundity thing, but it's like, like it or not, it is sort of the, uh, the relationship that will define the century probably, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- <laughs> just like mine with your mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> mom, if you're listening, I know you and Max are close friends. Our friend, uh, our friendly, our friend, yeah, our platonic relationship. You guys are friends. Okay. But um, 
one of the other interesting things, and I'm not going to nerd out about my paper too much. We're going to end this seg- segment soon. But um, one of the articles I read, as far as like punishing other countries, so without getting overly complex, the Constitution doesn't ever expressly state who has foreign policy powers. But over the years, Congress has delegated many powers to the executive branch. The president is now extremely powerful in foreign policy. Um, and in my paper regarding Syria argued, if you guys want to read a 52-page paper, let me know, uh, but basically argued that Congress is weak and Congress could be doing more. And I did a lot of research on what Congress has done in the past. Unfortunately, when Congress gives power to the president, it's kind of hard to get back. So some of the stuff that they have control over is only like a certain, to a certain degree. And really the, the executive branch leads a lot of foreign policy. But one of the things that Congress often does, as well as the executive branch, the power, they have the power to do this as well, is set sanctions. So sanctions legislation can either be super effective or not matter at all. It depends. So it's so specific to the situation and who the sanctions are against. Uh, I read an article today, a former CIA director, Robert M. Gates, said that sanctions are not going to do much good in this case. Uh, Russia is going to be a challenge for the United States, a national security challenge for the United States, and maybe in some respects, the most dangerous one, as long as Putin is there. Um, As far as the Chinese, it's different. I think that, I don't know, the the article doesn't really talk about sanctions against the Chinese, but um, obviously the degree in which we do business with the Chinese, I think I heard something like billions of dollars goods pass through per day. I mean, I think that we're so relying on each other that sanctions legislation, I can't, or passing any sort of sanctions, I think would hurt us as well. I mean, I know there are sanctions against China in certain regards, but my point being, I don't know what they can do about this. Well, I don't know, Congress doesn't do shit about this, but um, that I can just sum up my 50 page paper for you guys. Congress doesn't (laughs) do shit. They try stuff, but whatever. Um, but we'll see, because the Trump administration, while it did do some stuff with China and try to, you know, address some of the concerns, it, it was in a different approach. And I think also just like much less organized and coherent. So maybe having a, a stable figure in like Biden's cabinet slash just someone who's like not mentally unstable uh, may mm. help a little bit more. We need their help on you know, climate stuff, but Russia, I don't know, man, they're crazy. I mean, but anyway, let me just say one more time. Wow. Congress from like a hundred years ago. Wow. Good job guys. You really set us up for, okay. I'm done this weird bit thoughts on this topic guys. Seems complicated. Ross, you troll me every week now. This is your, you're too good. Max, what do you think? Any closing thoughts on? Uh... On the Russia stuff? <laughs> yeah, what we've just been talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not particularly. I mean, it's, there's still so much left to sort of uncoil from like the Trump years of the relationship with Russia. And like, um, uh yeah, I mean, just investigation into January 6th thing and relationships between, like, white nationalist groups and, and Russia and things like that. Um, so I expect them to be in the news a lot more. So there's sort of this bigger foreign policy game, and then there's also, like, the the next sort of midterm news cycle is going to be interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we shall see, but look out for a heated tetherball match between Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin. No, I'm just kidding. That would be insane. Okay, this segment's over. For our final story today, um, we are giving an update on the border crisis, U.S.-Mexico border. We talked about this last week. There has been an influx of migrants. Now, last week, at the time that we recorded, which I believe was about 7, 7.30, there were 3,400 migrant children in U.S. custody. That number has soared to 14,000 in the last week. Um, I think something that Blake said last week and then you know, that I was reminded of today um, is that, you know, we have to remember that all these political arguments are over real human people. And so when we consider these issues, obviously there's a huge back and forth between, well, Donald Trump put us in this position, Joe Biden, you know, the, the sound bites from either side, like, Donald Trump's system was inhumane and put us, led us to this. And then you have Republicans saying, well, because Biden has said, you know, oh yeah, sure, we'll let anyone in. Then of course there's a surge at the border. Like Biden this week appealed to people, please stop coming to the United States. It's not safe for you guys here. Like, please wait. They've talked about immigration reform. I think the Biden administration is very aware of um I don't know if they've formally called it a crisis, but it is. Um, so they've clearly, clearly everybody is is doing the best to create as best conditions as they can. I don't think that there's uh, ambivalence on the part of the administration, but the reality is that people like the local people who are actually at the border are saying like, do something, literally do anything because this debate is like, we're like, I think my understanding is like things are held. I don't want to say like completely under control. This is like an insane situation. But my understanding is that they have things at bay now and have made it work to keep people safe. But this is obviously, I mean, 14,000. It's up from 3,400 to 14,000 migrant children. Some, you know, something has to be done. So, and you have the people who, who are there that are trying to help and whose jobs, you know, are to patrol the border and all of this are scared and overwhelmed and need resources. So, um, I, we spent a lot of time talking about this last week. I, you know, I'm going to put some resources on the website. I just wanted to do kind of an update. I don't know that there's, um, much to be said other than keep an eye out. I, I really hope Biden can can get something else. I, I think we're failing these migrants right now. And I think that, you know, you can stand on either side and point fingers, but something has to get done. So uh, we'll keep following this. And of course, if there are, if you guys have thoughts, like, please jump in. Um, but I don't have tons to say about this because it's very sad and I want these children to be okay. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say. This it's a Fair. fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Max. Oh, and I was just, I was following this issue a little bit, and I didn't realize they're having problems where they're releasing um, people and flying them to places that are really far from where they cross, um, which puts them at risk. Like depending on where you know where they're put. Um, but this is something from 
the director of the Hope Border Institute, um, which is an advocacy organization, said, um, these are talking about uh, children under seven with families that have been sent to Juarez. It says, quote, they have been returned to Juarez to a situation of extreme vulnerability, facing dangers from human traffickers and organized criminal groups. And apparently it's a problem as well because shelters in Mexico are full because of the mm -hmm. coronavirus thing. So it's like, it's there are these downstream effects that I think like, you know, I'm not the most knowledgeable guy about this issue, but like you can read those things and you're like, it's it's such a complex issue. But at the end of the day, it's just about people like suffering things they shouldn't have to suffer for mm -hmm. the, you know, the problem of the quote unquote problem of like trying to improve their life. And just, I don't know. I always think it's like, why can't, I mean, I know why, but it's like, just pretend it's like the military budget or pretend people are tanks, like just value them as much as you value, like anything, like the money's there for it. Like the richest country in the world can't just like take care of 14,000 people. Like, yeah, well, they you know did establish three new facilities last week and uh, apparently they are, they, they have already like. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I guess I, I don't know much to compare it to. I, I haven't. Yeah. You know, studied it in like a comparative way with like how these how these not situations um it's definitely not a disaster i was thinking of like a weather thing but how, how they're dealt with in other countries and um but i don't know I just, I just think it's like the money's there i don't know let let people become citizens instantly who care like with the risk isn't, yeah is that the most humane the thing to do yeah also, i mean it's the, I mean, like the morally right thing too it's like yeah, i don't know see, max i hate to be that person people hate actually, that actually so. no no no, no. I'm, I'm actually removing this politically from a political issue. They can't do that even if they wanted to. The way the laws are written, my understanding is that it oh, has right. to go through certain procedures. So, like, I'm sure maybe Biden could do an executive order allowing citizenship for some. I actually don't. I, I think that that's the other issue is like processing. If that's what they want. I mean, if people want that, I don't know. I don't. I mean, why know. would they be crossing the border if they didn't? But anyway, I, I have um, no idea. People do all, you know. Yeah. I'm just saying because it's a very dangerous thing. I mean, they're risking their lives to do that, to send their and children it might be across people, the board. I don't know. Maybe you just want to reunite with family or there's probably a million sure. reasons I don't, I, I'm not aware of. Well, we'll see. We'll stay tuned. Homeland, um, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was on one of the mo Sunday morning shows today and apparently was like declining to give too many details, but did say like, oh, we've built new facilities. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. So um, we'll see. But Stay tuned on that and um, see what happens. And now we're going to close it out. And now for our final segment, I guess it's kind of HTHT, Chats hot takes. Oh, Ross, I thought you were going to jump in there, but uh, I couldn't not really. match that inflection. So, Oh, right. Wait, what did we do, call do it? it in post. It's H2H. Remember? Yeah, H-T-H-T-H. Okay. H-T-H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, heart to heart. So I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but I have these cards. We're going to each answer questions. This is fun. I like it. Um, yeah. Okay, who wants to go first? We can we can I'll each go. have our own card. Okay, Max. Um, Drew Barrymore is quoted as saying, happy people are beautiful people. Do you agree? Please explain. Uh happy people are beautiful people yeah sure yeah yeah i think so too yeah if you're watching like a documentary or something and people are like just happy and like having a good time like just kind of pleasant not necessarily even like partying or something there's something beautiful about that but even if it's not someone that you think is like attractive or whatever 
I think it's definitely more true than the opposite in terms of beauty people, beautiful people being happy. You know, I think a lot of beautiful people are probably bummed. I mean, I'm so. gorgeous and thrilled, but understandable. Sure, um, sure. Well, you're the exception. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, I like that answer. I would agree with you. I would say, um, yeah, I can. I'm all about vibes. A good, yeah, vibe good vibes are vibe. good vibes are beautiful. What about you, Ross? What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Like, there's something like attractive about you know confidence and um, just satisfaction. Like, uh, like you know. If you are like confident and like happy with how your world is, like that exudes energy that mm-hmm. is pretty undeniable. Agreed. All right, Ross, you ready for your question? Yeah. Wait, did we do this last week? Tell me if you think. I don't know. If I recognize it. Yeah. What is the most important part of succeeding in a job? Did we do this last week? Um, I don't just think so. You can just answer it. Yeah. Uh, most important part of succeeding at a job. Uh, just like, uh, I guess also like my last answer, confidence. Just like, yeah, I know how to do that. Or like, I got you. Because yeah. like, I, you know, I'm learning slowly but surely in the workforce that nobody knows what the fuck they're doing or what's going That's on. Very so true. like as long as you can make it seem that way and like shake hands then you're good to go. Having a good handshake pre-COVID, something very important. Um, Max, what about you? What do you think um, is the most well, important part? I mean, it reminded me of um, a quote from, or like an idea from this guy, Neil Neil Gaiman, Gaiman, I think he's a writer. Yeah. But he, he, he gave this speech about it and he was talking about, um, there's like being on time, there's doing good work and there's like being good with people and if you had two of the three, you'd be all right. So I think that's, I agree with Mm -hmm. that, probably. Nice. Um, Yeah, I would say... I I like both of your answers. I would also add... um, Like, knowing when to ask for help. Because I think Mm. that is something I learned at my old job. And it has, throughout law school, been very effective to, like... Because I think a lot of people get nervous to ask for help or afraid it shows sense of weakness. But... I just think asking, I'm a question asker, asking the right questions can sometimes be like a skill because of, you know, you know, and asking for help is also weirdly like a strength that you would think, like, I feel like some people think like, oh, asking questions like makes me look weak, but it's actually like a strength to be confident enough. Like you said, Ross, to be like, what the heck? All right. Makes you look engaged. Yeah, Totally. And it's also like, you can't do everything by yourself. You don't know everything. No one knows what yep. they're doing. All right. Que- last question. Um, ooh, I love this question. If you mm-hmm. could have dinner with any TV star, who would it be? Um, hmm. TV star. I know mine. Who's yours? Tracy Morgan, baby. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I have... I was just thinking it it would have to be someone from 30 Rock, which is my favorite TV show. And I was like, would it be Tina Fey? And she's, it's tempting. But if I'm going, like, if I get one meal and it's like, okay, business lunch with Tina Fey, rowdy dinner with Tracy Morgan. That's my answer. If it's lunch, Tina (laughs) Fey. If it's dinner, Tracy Morgan. We're going to, I just think he's like, I feel like, 
having a glass of wine and just listening to him talk would I wouldn't speak. I would just listen to him, like him and his friends talk and it would be great. Anyway, mm-hmm. those are my answers. It's a good you one. guys. Oh, uh, well, I don't know if it counts as a TV star. Oh no, I was going to say Bernie Sanders. <laughs> but remember he took, he took over for two and a half men um, after, she, after Charlie Sheen left. Um, no, gosh, TV star. I don't know. I feel, um, uh, oh, what's, <laughs> uh, just cause I think she's pretty, but what's her name from, um, Mad Men maybe, or, Christina um, Hendricks. Yeah. Oh my or, God. You or, should watch the show. Good or, girls. Or, or like, um, or like John Hay. Like, I don't know. I love Mad Men. So someone from that, from that show. Yeah. It's a good show. Um, how about you, Ross? Uh, does Kermit the Frog count? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, then so. uh, I'll do Kermit the Frog. Or, like, real talk, I do, like, um, like Randall Park. I feel like he's just oh, really Oh, yeah, cool. he's great. Yeah, he's just, like, interesting and, like, I just feel like he has good stories to tell and just, it's just positive ray of sunshine. Yeah, I he like was in. Uh, he was on the, wait, he's the one, he was in the show, in the movie with Ali Wong, right? And then he's yes. also on that show, Fresh Off the Boat. Yes. Was that the show he was on? Did you watch that? Uh, I watched two episodes. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I know that it's, I hear good things. Uh, I don't think it's still on anymore, but, or maybe it is. I don't don't think so. Oh, and duh, Randall Park. I just Googled. He's Danny Chung on Veep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I I know I know him from like a bunch of stuff, but uh, yeah, he's great and deep oh my gosh she's so funny anyway okay well those are fun i like these questions i have to figure out which ones we did last time so i can set them aside otherwise our listeners will get repeat answers but um as always gentlemen thank you so much for being with me and listeners thank you so much for listening um and i i just hope everybody has a wonderful week everyone stay strong shit is weird as hell and it's hard to be a person but um you know, we press on. Any closing thoughts, guys? Keep on. Not really, honestly. Going. Yeah, keep. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good time. I think now is a good time to like learn a lot of stuff around these issues too. If you don't know them, like I'm trying to educate myself, and mm-hmm. just hearing you you explain stuff was useful. So, um, and there's yeah. the nice thing now is there's so many people that can tell you their direct experience of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like things that you couldn't experience in your life necessarily um, mm-hmm. just on Twitter and stuff. So just be like, you know, inform yourself. I mean, it's kind of the first thing you can do. Yeah. Listen and learn. Yeah. All right. Well, let me get my, uh, let me get my boys here back in the van, take them to get dinner. They seem tired. <laughs> they rally. <laughs> so I feel. All right, guys, everybody have a good week. Bye. Bye. This has been keep you posted, hosted and executive produced by Hannah Trav. Produced and edited by me, Ross Wiseman. Our art and logo is by Kristen Finger, and our music by Graham Trav. For a list of our sources from the episode, bonus content, and to get in touch with us, visit us at www.keepyoupostedpod.com. <laughs>